everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. We are delighted today to have back Deborah Witzberg, who's Deputy Public Safety Inspector General for the city. And we'll be at least for a few more weeks or months. We'll see with the chaos that's going on in the city and the fact that our city council decided, um, or our mayor decided to the very last weeks of current, still current, I think, or soon to be former Inspector General Joe Ferguson's time was up. This process for replacement probably should have happened six months ago, but who am I? Who needs a top person in the Inspector General's office anyways? Okay, Deborah is here to talk about a follow-up of a report. They did a report in June, 2020, and it said the review of CPD management and production of records. We talked about it on this show. You can go look for it. And this is about subpoenas. Can they, can they, um, do they have the ability to know that they are responding uh, completely? And that has very, very serious implications for justice, for sure. And now we have a September 2020 follow-up review of CPD management and production of records. So we're here to talk to her about what recommendations they made in the original report and the status of the follow-up from the CPD. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us. Me. Okay, so give us the two-minute synopsis of that original report. What was the finding? And my terms, which I know are not going to be your terms, I say further proof that the administration of this department is broken. Police departments are notoriously bad at records and data and providing things, but what did your report show about the CPD on this matter? The finding of our, of our original report was that the police department is unable to ensure that it meets its legal and constitutional obligations to identify and produce records in its possession. So we looked at um, criminal prosecutions and civil litigation that arises out of CPD's law enforcement activities. Um, which is to say civil rights litigation and so on. So not, not litigation involving CPD as an employer so much, but, but criminal prosecution and, and related civil litigation. And we looked at the, the question of whether in those settings, when the police department is called upon to, to identify and produce all of the records it has in its possession related to a specific person or incident or arrest or case or whatever the case may be, whether they can identify all the records they have and effectively get them into the hands of the people um, who are entitled to them. And, and, and our central finding was that they're not, the department is not able to ensure that it, that it can do that, that it can meet its obligations to do that. As you point out, I, the implications of, of a failure to do that are enormous. There are, um, that's, that's, a, that's a problem of constitutional proportion. Um, criminal defendants are, have constitutional rights to information, uh, which is in the possession of, of law enforcement agency or prosecuting authority. Um, and there are, there are additionally state laws and court rules um, requiring the police department to identify and to produce information in its possession. So um, sort of against the, the backdrop of the gravity of the risk, we made a series of recommendations in 2020 um, for the police department to improve its management and production of records. Um, and so, so as you noted, this follow-up is kind of a check-in, a status check on where we are uh, and, and whether the department has sort of made good on its commitments to improve. Made good on its commitments to improve, the CPD improve. Yeah, I've always been, I've always wanted people to pay more attention to the administration of the department because the media won't write about it. <laughs> it's not juicy or sexy enough. It's not as easy as you know, writing about some crime incidents, which they're very, very good at doing. Um, 
but you can't police well, you can't serve the public well if your stuff internally is broken. Their ability to capture data systemically, what they're capturing has always been a huge problem. I know 10 years ago when we looked into sexual assault and domestic violence and we asked the department, we looked at their rated unfounding sexual assault allegations, it was 16% over a decade. And we asked them for the policies and trainings and guidelines they gave the, their their officers for marking to determining what is an unfounded complaint. What when a suppose mostly women, uh, women are lying about a sexual assault, and they said they didn't have any. And that was like, wait a minute, you have thirteen thousand officers. How do you do that consistently? And that was really proof to me that we were in for major problems. This is what your report is cited is one of them. Let's look at some of the recommendations. I'm going to read the recommendations. I want you, if you can, to like give us what is the follow up or no follow-up. We will see what's happened here. Okay, the first one is Office Inspector General recommends that the CPD undertake a comprehensive staffing and resource analysis to determine the technical resources, workforce size, and personal capacities that personnel capacities that would be required for the department to meaningfully meet its constitutional legal obligations and should provide its analysis to the superintendent and the mayor of Chicago. So has that analysis been done? Uh, no, is the short answer. And, and there's a little more to say about that. I, I should say um, a couple of sort of broad, broad brush things, um, just in, to, to sort of follow up on, on what you said. I, I completely agree about the, the importance of the administrative competence of the police department. I think that is sort of an under, um, an under, an issue of underdrawn significance. CPD is a large and complex organization. And I think the question of whether it is built to be administrated effectively and competently is, is a really important question. And so I, I, I very much agree. Um, the, the, the bottom line of our follow-up here is that minimal corrective action has been taken. And, and really sort of at bottom, the department is, is in the same place now as it was a year ago, which is that it is unable to ensure that it meets its obligations. And so with respect to the first recommendation that you that you just read, um, the corrective action here has not been implemented. Important to consider this, I think, against a larger backdrop of, um, of a tremendous amount of opacity around staffing analyses and around the way the department um, makes decisions about the allocation of its personnel. Um, so, so no, this has not been done. Um, the department committed to conducting a staffing analysis by December of 2021 in our in response to our original report, and said in response to our follow up that they that they will not meet that target date. Yeah, they <laughs> the haphazardness of the whole staffing overall throughout the entire department is mind boggling, and to my pain internally. Um, I haven't been able to get the media. The media has accepted. There is a number in the contract that says the police department will have this many budgeted officers or in the budget. And everyone takes that as gospel, as if that is science-based number. And I, I many, several years ago, I had sources in R&D, research and development. I had sources in command level. And they did a lot of searching about where that number came from. And the best they could ever figure out is it was a negotiated number between Superintendent Phil Klein and the alderman. 
And I know it. Yeah. Okay. So when you hear we're short officers or something, short from what? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's right. Short from what? Um, when we're thinking about overtime, like over what? Right. How many? How many officers is the right number? And and how would we use the right number of officers to sensibly control overtime? I. How do we allocate personnel according to sort of institutional priority and all of those questions, I think, would be elucidated, let's say, by a, um, a publicly available staffing analysis. Yeah, and the ability for them to actually really systemically keep high quality quantified, you know, quantifiable data about what's going on. Um, we got... I can't really talk much about it, but I will say through discovery in our FOIA lawsuit with the CPD, they delivered something to us regarding staffing and an analysis on that, that I, I think they would rather I didn't have. And I FOIA'd that document and other documents related to that if they had done other ones for other years. And they said they have no such documents, which I find hilarious considering they gave it to me in discovery, so I know it exists, right? So that like that's hilarious, but they're obviously doing some staffing analysis internally at times. Whether or not it's any good and the quality is is um, highly questionable. I know they're. I think we talked about it on the last time you were on the show. Uh, they're working with one. They're working with the Chicago Crime Lab on some some kind of new fangled uh, staffing analysis. Hopefully that works out. Um, but the opacity around all of that just drives me crazy because it just lets the media run with this thing that we're short officers. And the reality is, we don't know if the, that number 13,275, whatever it is, we could be short, we may need 18,000, or we may need 11,000 given the priorities and what the city wants to do. Um, I talked on my show earlier today, you know, we're right in line with um, officers per, um, per resident that New York is in right now, if you cost 11,500 officers. But LA, who has much bigger district and much smaller crime has one officer. So Chicago is something like one officer per 235 residents. Um, LA is like 394 and a much bigger actually geographic space to patrol and much less shootings and homicides. There's all kinds of sociological reasons of why, but when you, you can't have that discussion if people don't talk about the issue if they just take those numbers yeah. at face value. I, I think that's right. And, and so I think it's important to understand this particular recommendation and, and the sort of lack of response to it in, in that larger context. I... Yeah, it's, um, it's very important. Okay, so they haven't really moved on that, Betsy. All right, we're not, we're not gonna get a whole lot better as we go through these, ladies and gentlemen. This may not, that, I'm sure if you listen to my podcast, that is not gonna be a shocker to you. Okay, number two. Your office recommended the CP chain charge a single unit with responsibility for records management across all units and record types. This entity should ensure the CPD's record management system allows for effective identification and production of records across all units and CPD members, including the subpoena unit and the Office of Legal Affairs. I'm gonna take a wild guess that they didn't like that one. No, that's right. And, and so to be clear here, the, the recommendation was um, was about charging a single unit with responsibility for managing records, not for creating them, right? Records would, would continue to be 
reports would continue to be created throughout the department in its operational functions as necessary for it to, for it to do its law enforcement work, right? The, the recommendation here was that there be a unit which is responsible for sort of the administrative oversight um, and management of, of the records in CPD's possession to ensure that across this very large and very complex organization, there were consistent practices and policies and trainings and so on around legal and constitutional obligations um, and then how to best meet them. The department declined this recommendation originally. And so to, to no surprise, it has not been implemented. Um, when we were working on that same sexual assault report I mentioned earlier, we met, we had this big meeting. Um, we were trying to get a five-year study of sexual assault cases from call for service through adjudication. So we had the mayor, Rahm's office on one co-chair, Parkwinkle's office, the other co-chair of a task force that we were running. And we met with uh, OEMC head, the CPD, um, top people, um, the state's attorney's people. The judge said, fine, you can have the data. Um, OEMC said, yes, you can have the data. The CPD and state attorney fought us. And when we went to meet in CPD headquarters, the research and development division people were in the meeting. And so were the detectives because we're gonna have to look at their data. And what I came to learn is, and whether or not this is still true, I don't know, but the detectives fought. They did not want to be any, they didn't want their data in clear or any part of the clear system because they knew they didn't want check boxes because they knew it was for oversight and they didn't want any part of it. They just wanted open fields where they could keep notes. And some, one of their detectives who got fired, no, he, I think he resigned in the uh, Daly's nephews that he murdered. Cashman, oh, sorry, there's so many of these things. It's hard to remember all the names. The Cashman's case just blew up, stood up, got all red, screaming at us like, no hell way you're going to get this. And it dawned on me like they... It's a, it's a culture in there just to be against any oversight. They don't see that data keeping as a, as a net positive for them. They see it as a net pot, a negative because people are going to be able to look at what they're doing. Um, and that was the end of the task force. That meeting basically ended it because the CPD was not going to charge, but it was very interesting. Um, and I could see why the department sees someone like me as an accountability person would say they don't want to implement that recommendation because it's much easier to have oversight. And people looking at everything that's going on, whether they'll be able to hide stuff. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but that breeds, that kind of opaqueness breeds my, my response. Well, I think you and I have talked about similar observations before. I, what I think is, I, look, we didn't find, we didn't look for and we didn't find any evidence here of sort of intentional hiding mm -hmm. of information. However, um, this sort of administrative failure certainly leaves the department vulnerable to, you know, the worst, the worst inferences. Yeah, and those worst inferences hurt them and hurt their, their staff, the officers Absolutely. working there's, for them, right? That's because right. there's they, a legitimacy problem here, for sure. There's a, right, legitimacy in the media, legi legitimacy when you're trying someone and almost some, something disappeared, but now you can find it. Those street files that were lost in the basements of a few of the areas that just happened to appear. Um, who believed that was by an accident? Now it may have been, but no, you can't possibly, after everything that happened in Chicago, believe tens of thousands of files were just missing and it was totally an accident. That's right. That, so the street file incident or, or uh, set of 
set of incidents, I should say, was was one of the things we talked about in our original report here, that that is sort of the, um, you know, the, the logical extreme of the problems we're identifying here is that there are rusty file cabinets and water-stained banker's boxes in, in basements and on conference room floors all over the city. And, and even assuming best intentions, the department has no way of knowing what information it has in its possession in those places and how to get it to somebody who's entitled to it. Right, and it just in the end, it, the, the, the lack of legitimacy hurts the officers that are good and working, doing what we want and working hard. It just hurts all of them. Which, by the way, I know it's hard to believe is the overwhelming amount of the police force. It's just that the, the bad people overwhelm them. And honestly, in my view, the problem is the good people don't tell on the bad people. But that's a whole nother cultural issue. But the good people I, are hurt by a system. I, I absolutely agree. I think it is. If, if, if I have one sort of organizing principle about the police department here, it is that this is not a good system with a few bad people in it. It's a bad system with a lot of really good people in it. Um, that's a good way of and, thinking about it. And, and that's the, the, the problems with that system, the things that make it a bad system are many and varied, but some of them look like this. Some of them look like administrative shortcomings and failures. Um, which compromise the legitimacy and the effectiveness of the police department, right? So in addition to the sort of the constitutional implications here that we talked about, this, these problems also have a, the very real potential, and I say this both having done this, conducted this inquiry and as a former prosecutor, these problems have enormous potential to undermine criminal prosecutions and to make it impossible to hold even people CPD does arrest responsible for crimes. And so this is, this is an effectiveness. This is a public safety problem. Right. Absolutely. 100% it is. And it just, it's never, and it continues to not rise to the point of being systemically addressed. And the, the, the politicians, the aldermen have not called for it and not pushed for it. They're worried about keeping violence numbers down in any summer, especially this one. They just care about violence numbers dropping, getting it off the media. So they get rid of the heat. Same thing with the mayor's office, same thing with the superintendent. And we live in a country that does this, but we, especially a city, it's all short-term thinking. It's all about political fixes of what the fire is at the moment rather than systemic long-term problems. And that's why we keep cycling into these problems over and over and over again, and nothing gets fixed. Um, and that's how you end up with uh, John Katanzaris, the head of the FOP, who uh, is gonna lose in court. Okay, uh, next recommendation. OIG recommends the unit responsible for records and management and production with input from other CPD units, develop policies, procedures, and trainings to ensure the effective identification and production of records across all CPD units. I'm sure they did that one. That one sounds pretty important. Uh, it, it is important. This has not been implemented. So the the, the short version of the story here is that um, this is a little bit of shorthand, but but in our original inquiry, we, we found that there basically are as many different approaches to management and production of records across CPD as there are operational units, and maybe even as there are individual people assigned to conduct those jobs. So there is no consistent training, there are no uniform policies in terms of how you do this, literally how you store paper records, how you store and access electronic records, who has access to what, how things are indexed, et cetera. There is no uniformity across, across a department. Um, and you know, this is, this is, I think, important to think about the fact that um, all law enforcement agencies 
have, have distinguishing features, of course. This is, not, this is not a world in which we're talking about a police department, all of which operates basically in one room, right? I, there are dozens of different physical locations, thousands of people who are involved in the tasks at, at issue here, um, no uniform policies and trainings. So we recommended that, that, that there be uniform policies and trainings. Um, CPD originally agreed basically to implement part of this recommendation. Um, they did not agree to implement the whole thing and, and they didn't implement the part that they said they would. Great, so let's hope something comes out of this. I'm gonna skip ahead. Um, here's another not implemented one. Number seven, OIG recommends a CPD production process provide for the management of older records already in CPD's possession. Hey, the street files found in the bottom of these uh, um, areas. Imp improvements to how records are created, stored, and indexed to the in the future may not impact older records, correct? Which may themselves be relevant to ongoing criminal prosecutions or civil litigation arising from law enforcement activities for years to come, given this given that sometimes lengthy duration of these proceedings. Minimally implemented, if I remember the report. That's right. So the, the observation driving this recommendation is that if starting tomorrow, the police department implemented a perfect system for all electronic, you know, to have all of its records be electronic and entirely searchable and, and sort of ideally managed, it would be years and more, more realistically decades before all of the litigation that is out there in the, in the criminal justice and civil litigation system, which involved old paper records, worked itself out. These are, these are very lengthy proceedings. And so, um, so whatever we do going forward, we have many years ahead of us to sort of, before we're out of the woods in, in terms of dealing with the, with the records which are marked by these old problems. Um, you know, um, there, there are sort of a, a pile of conditions contributing to these challenges. The police department has until very recently and continues to, in some, in some places, use paper records. There, there continue to be pieces of information which are reflected only on like handwritten paper records. Um, and even records that are created and stored quote unquote electronically, we're talking about a patchwork um, and maybe it's really more like a Tower of Babel of sort of overlapping, poorly integrated, non-compatible legacy information systems. Um, and so even records that are electronic are not, um, not all searchable in the same way, not all stored in the same place, not all accessible to the same people. Um, and so what we're trying to get at here is the need to address this in a holistic way across these various categories of records old paper records, records in old information systems, records of new information systems, et cetera, in light of the fact that, that as we've talked about, records that were created you know, over the last couple of years will continue to be relevant and needed and called for many years into the future. The, the thing that struck me as you were talking is that this seems, a lot of these records, it would seem, from a police department perspective, would be part of the intelligence that they're generating. And thus, they would want to be able to capture it efficiently so that someone could search 
and find something from someone 10 years ago, a report was written, but it may be not dealing with his arrest, but it put him in a spot at a time, right? Yeah. And he admitted so, to that in it. And now they can't get it because it's on some paper record and a different det detective division. And they have different ways of putting out paper records and the paper records have never been uploaded. So it's gone to, you know, time. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. There, I think there are sort of, there are two, both of which are going to be close to your heart. Wait till I get there. Um, there, there are sort of two areas here which we didn't reach in the report, but where I think the issues that we raised in the report are of similar concern. The first is absolutely the one you say, that there is an internal utility problem here as well, that if the department is unable to find its own information for investigative and law enforcement purposes, then that's, that is an effectiveness problem as well. The second is FOIA. We didn't look at FOIA processes directly. However, the, the challenges that exist with identifying records and, and producing them in response to a subpoena, I think there are reasonable inferences to be drawn that similar concerns might exist in the FOIA realm. Yeah, they do. And and um, we're going to get to this last one because I want it, it goes into FOIA and our, our experiences with the CPD. And I think we have one outstanding count in our litigation again against them. Number eight, OIG recommends the city develop or the CPD develop a search all function across various clear applications and ensure that related identifiers, RD number, uh, central booking number for arrests are associated with one are associated with one another to make it efficient for subpoena unit and office of legal affair members to identify and gather electronic records. Very important, and I will say from my experience, we are three and a half years into a litigation against the CPD over their possession of call for service data that was generated by OEMC, but the city collects every year because OEMC deletes it for four, day, four years to the day. That's mind-boggling. Uh, considering I can buy them a couple of terabyte drives and them dropped off, but they do that because it's in it's in compliance with the Illinois some Illinois records law. So we sued the CPD and they gave us like the first nine years from ninety nine to two thousand seven or eight they gave us like thirteen percent of average thirteen percent of the calls for service that are listed in their annual report, and then for the second nine years from like eight to like sixteen or eighteen whatever it was, they gave us one hundred forty five percent of the calls. Yes. Figure, now this is data, this is metadata on all the calls. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, figure those numbers out. How do you get 145% of something? We actually got 198% of one year's calls. So figure that one out. But that's not what I want to talk about. The first nine years, they're saying, well, that's all the data we have. And we're going back and forth with them. In the meantime of this lawsuit, they ended the research development office and created another office. I forgot the name of it or renamed it. And so we're dealing with a sergeant. They offer the sergeant up to us through, he's going to get on a phone call with us because this is all the data they have. And we're trying to get through interrogatories. What did you search? How did you search? Did you talk to everyone in R&D to make sure they don't have more calls on their hard drives? Like, I don't know how data is stored. What? And we can't get anything from them. And the day before we're supposed to have this call with the sergeant who wasn't in R&D and doesn't really know anything, they canceled it. And it's been months since we've, they're like trying to not talk about it at all, which just blows my mind. But it goes to the point with this guy probably looked in one database, found some records reliant, uh, responsive to our FOIA and sent them. And he has, I don't even know if he has on record, on paper anywhere, what he did to pull those records. So here I sit and they don't really have any ability to prove what they've done. 
it just that blows my mind. And so I could see where this search all function could be helpful in FOIA in other ways. How, how so this is partially implemented? Is that correct? Yes. So CPD tells us that they have um, created a search all function in Clear, which is part of this landscape of information systems. Um, to, to search records by RD number, by record division number, um, which is, you know, some amount of good news. Now, the, the reason that's not um, more helpful than it is, right, is that not all records are indexed by RD number. So an RD, a case number, is assigned when a case report is written, um, but it is not it, there are lots of other kinds of records which are not case reports, which wouldn't be searchable by an RD number. So um, it's, it's a little bit of good news. It, it is not enough. Correct. Um, yeah, correct. I, I don't know. I, I hope you all keep pushing on it. I just don't know when there will be enough political will in the city to really address it. And because part um, of... Part of what has to happen is this is a money issue to some extent, and this is a technological so issue, technological solution issue across all these systems that's probably going to get custom made, but it's also a staffing issue. You have to have the, the staff in these offices to do the job. Yeah, that's right. And of course, like so many things, um, this is a financial issue, perhaps a resource issue, perhaps in some ways. It is also worth noting that you know, over the course of recent years, the city has paid out a lot of dollars um, in litigation during which it has found itself on the wrong end of discovery issues because it has failed to identify records in its possession. Yeah, that only, you would think that would matter. I mean, from 2004 to two, maybe, two, I think it's 2004 to through 2020, the city averaged $49 million in civil payouts related to the CPD. It's a lot of money in a lot of years, and nothing seems to change. It just keeps ticking along. I mean, they created your spot. They created COPA. Um, God, I wish COPA had turned out better. That's one of my, having been involved in helping write that and in, in, in the mayor's and the corp council's office helping negotiate that. Um, I, I think that was an opportunity missed, at least to this point. I'm sure there's hardworking people in there, but God, it has just not been anywhere near as successful as I would have hoped having been in there. Frustrating. All right, well, Deborah, thank you so much. Good luck on um, the coming weeks and months. Hopefully you get reappointed to another term, but we'll see who knows what's going on with the city. Thank you very much. Good to see you. You too. Talk to you soon.